0: So we've recorded this entire episode and we, right after we sent it to our editor, the news broke that Olivia Jade is going on Red Table Talk. So I know the episode didn't come out yet, but we just wanted to spend kind of a minute on that. Because as you guys know, Lori reported on October 30th to serve her two-month sentence. And her husband reported on November 19th to serve his five-month sentence. So then just an hour or two ago, Olivia Jade posted the promo of her on Red Table and wrote, Thank you at Jada, at Adrian at Willow for bringing me to the table so I can publicly share my experience for the first time. And it's going to be tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific time on Facebook watch.
1: I I was honestly a little bit floored by this. Yeah, me too. It's not that I was so shocked that she chose to do it on red table. I actually think that makes a lot of sense for her. I just thought it was kind of quick. I mean, I was expecting her I knew she would do this eventually, but I think I was expecting her to do it maybe after her parents were out once the dust had kind of settled. So that's the only part of it I was surprised about. That was exactly my
0: reaction. I feel like, you know, Red Table has kind of now asserted itself as a really good place for people in these sticky situations to go to. So the medium and the platform made a lot of sense, but she just started re-emerging on social. I didn't anticipate this, but I actually think it was probably a very good move for her. I mean, we don't know, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. It's it's going to be interesting to watch her navigate this because obviously there's not going to be legal ramifications of this. That's all said and done, but it's not going to be easy for her to navigate this area in this conversation. No, no,
0: not at all. And we know, you know, Jada's style specifically. I think she has a very excellent way of handling these things. So, you know, think about a Jordan Woods or a TI or when Jada and Will did their, own, did their own thing. It's like, there are certain episodes of Red Table where you were just glued. And one, I know for a fact that's gonna be us. And two, guys on Wednesday for the Kardashian bonus show we will probably spend the first 10 or so minutes talking about it just because I feel like we have to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're going to. So in terms of this episode, it was kind of a
0: medley. We spoke Rihanna and ASAP, Elliot Page. Then there were some relationship things. So we spoke about Ben Affleck and Anna Diarmis, Paris Hilton, Selena Gomez and Jimmy Butler. Talked about the Pete Davidson vibrator thing. Um, the Euphoria episode, Bryce and Addison. And then in the Kardashians, we spoke mostly about the TikTok, a little bit of the Larsa Pippen update. And um, I think that was it. Anything else you want to add or should we get into it? No, let's get into it. So as you guys know, every week we're highlighting a Black-owned business, and this week we're doing the Semicolon Bookshop. So this is a Black woman-owned bookstore and gallery space in Chicago. It was founded by this woman, Danielle Mullen, and you can order books and audiobooks on their website, which is semicolonchai.com, and the Instagram is at semicolonchai. Also, this will be in the description, but once a month we're going to update our Instagram highlight and add all of the Black-owned businesses that we did for that month. So it will be there. You ready, Joel? So ready. Okay, so let's start out with ASAP and Rihanna. I know this happened last week, but we haven't gotten a chance to talk about it and we just couldn't have this podcast and not. So according to sources, they are dating, which take that with a grain of salt because this rumor circulates every so often. But basically, Page Six had reported that they were spotted having dinner together at the Beatrice Inn in New York with friends over the weekend. Then a little bit after that, a source had confirmed that they were dating. After the dinner, they were photographed a couple days later, kind of just walking around the city. And again, this is nothing that's so uncommon. We know they're friends. They've definitely had relationship speculation in the past, but just a little bit of history. They've been friends since at least 2013 when he opened for her on her Diamonds World Tour. This was the first time I think that they sparked kind of real dating rumors and most recently, she included him in her Fenty Skin campaign. That was when they did those GQ and Vogue interviews together. We talked about them, I remember, because the chemistry, both sexual and also platonic, was just kind of off the charts and very palpable. Also, keep in mind, her last relationship was with the billionaire Hassan Jamil. That was from 2017 to October 2019. And he most recently has been linked to Kendall Jenner. That was July 2016 to August 2017. You guys remember the 2017 Met Gala, those pictures, one, the selfie where they're kind of all up in each other. And then that picture that Kylie took of them from the back where he has his hand on her ass. Also a hot couple to me, not even comparable to Rihanna. But what are you you feeling? What's your one opinion on the accuracy of this? And then also what's just like your emotional reaction?
1: My emotional reaction is that I find it hard when news breaks about Rihanna at a restaurant that's 10 blocks from me. (laughs) You were struggling with that a little. That's that's a difficult pill to swallow. That It really is. It's also just
0: significantly more difficult in the time of COVID because in a normal time, even going there wouldn't have been so crazy, you know?
1: No, I would have just done a little walk by. Now I can't. I'm not going to risk giving Rihanna Corona just so that I could fulfill some sort of fantasy of seeing them together. What am I, a fucking serial killer? <laughs> Julie texted me.
0: She's like, I just want you to know I'm not leaving my apartment, but they are 10 blocks away and it's taking a lot of self-control.
1: In terms of them together though, I I always like them together. This has been an on and off rumor, I think, since their tour in 2013. When they did the video together promoting the Fenty Skin campaign, everyone was like, okay, this is a couple I can get on board with. The chem- they're so similar in so many ways. Like, When she asked him what his favorite look of hers was, and he had an answer off the top of his head that was like a really random outfit that wasn't like a Met Gala or like a Grammys outfit. It was like a very small red carpet event that most people wouldn't have remembered. I was like, this I can get on board with. Anybody who remembers the specific Rihanna outfit that's their favorite look, I can get on board with.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I do think that their love and appreciation for fashion and the fact that they both in their own rights have really become fashion icons, I think lends to the chemistry of their relationship because it's like connecting at a different level. Of course, they have the musical genius. Of course, they have the fame and a million other things and being sex symbols, both of them. But I do think the love for fashion and the way that they appreciate it, I would imagine lends for very kind of stimulating conversation.
1: Yeah, definitely. I don't know if this is... 100% real. I don't know if one group dinner and walking around the city together alone qualifies as definitely confirming a relationship. Although I know somebody, you know, a source confirmed it to people. I won't get my hopes up about it, but if this is the case, I'm ecstatic about it.
0: Yeah, I want to say two things. The first is I feel like us as the general public, when it comes to them dating, we're like dogs waiting at the window for their owner to come home kind of thing. Like we are just constantly ready. If you tell us, we're just going to believe it because it's just more fun to believe it. I don't even feel like we care if we get our hopes let down every single time. You know, how like a dog, every single time someone walks by the window, they get so excited, even if they're not coming into the house. Like that is us, I feel like with them. Yeah, I love you using dog analogies. I know, out a left field. And um, the second thing I wanted to say is, I remember texting this to you when the news initially broke, which is like, obviously I get very excited about Rihanna's dating life. However, that clip of her when she's on the red carpet and somebody asks, what are you looking for in a man? And she says, first of all, I'm not looking for a man. Let's start there. And I think probably partially because of its virality and also just because she's made that such a theme of like, yeah, a relationship is fine, but I don't need it. I don't really think of Rihanna in relationship terms. That's not my first thought, if that makes sense. So when this is brought into the orbit, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot that she could coexist as a very, one half of a very prominent power couple. You know what I'm saying? Like, I always just think of her as this singular icon. So I get additionally excited when the possibility of her with someone else, whoever it is, is even in the equation.
1: Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. I agree with that. I definitely view her in that way too, But there is always a piece of me that will think about Drake so often that it's like, I'm either thinking about her as like her own separate entity, which is usually the case, or I'm thinking about her and Drake together. And then comes the ASAP Rocky portion of it. When I remember that the Drake fantasy is something that we all have to move on from potentially.
0: Why don't you, as our parting note to end this Rihanna ASAP conversation leave our listeners with a little
1: gift. Tell them exactly the name of the music video to watch that you watch twice a week. I am so glad you said that. There are a couple of videos to watch. Okay. This is important. The main one is Rihanna work live at the Brit Awards. Okay. In 2016, which was Drake came out and they did work together. There is also them performing at the anti-world tour live, incredible, similar vibes. And then if that's not enough, there are two music videos for work with them. So you know what? You can just have a full Drake and Rihanna day, but I will warn you that there's absolutely no way to watch those videos and not want them back together.
0: Yeah, no, it's a a necessary warning. That's why I feel like as much as you're excited about the ASAP thing, you can never be the full threshold of excitement because you do think about the Drake thing, which I think a lot of people can relate to. A lot of people probably can because I think a lot of people don't like Drake, but those that do may feel the same way.
1: Yeah, I think the Drake thing is just a fantasy a lot of us hold on to. It, it, I don't even know. It's one of those things that I don't think we'll ever fully move on from because there were so many moments and times that you could point to them and look at them and be like, this is so end game. I can't believe they're not together. But I don't know. I think they both hurt each other. That's a whole other conversation though. Yeah,
0: that's that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, but we'll anyway, talk
1: about that when you're older. we leave
0: you guys with those parting videos and, uh, I don't know. Let's see what, what happens with this one. I'm excited to see,
1: very excited to see.
0: Me too. So the next thing we wanted to talk about, I know this also happened last week, but we haven't gotten a chance to discuss it and we absolutely wanted to. So Elliot Page announced that he was transgender and would go by the name Elliot. Keep in mind, he is 33 years old. He is married to choreographer Emma Portner They were married in January, 2018, and they actually met via Instagram after Elliot saw a dance video that Emma posted in 2017. So Elliot posted a long statement on both Instagram and Twitter, basically saying, Hi friends, I want to share with you that I am trans. My pronouns are he, they, and my name is Elliot. I feel lucky to be writing this, to be here, to have arrived at this place in my life. And basically just went on to say that you he is excited. And while there's a lot of joy in this, it's also... A very fragile place, and just to kind of please, be gentle. And he said, "You know, I I recognize my privilege, but also I am afraid of the invasiveness and the prejudice and the jokes that come with, unfortunately, come with being trans." And he spoke to that. And then his wife posted and said, "I'm so proud of Elliot Page. Trans, queer, non-binary people are a gift to this world." I also ask for patience and privacy that you join me in the fervent support of trans life every single day. Elliot's Existence is a gift in and of itself. Shine on, sweetie. Love
1: you so much. Wow. How beautiful was this? So beautiful. And also the outpouring of support was so touching and so amazing to see.
0: Yeah, I also wanted to read the last line of his statement. He said... I love that I'm trans and I love that I'm queer. And the more I hold myself close and fully embrace who I am, the more I dream, the more my heart grows and the more I thrive. To all trans people who deal with harassment, self-loathing, abuse, and the threat of violence every day, I see you, I love you, and I will do everything I can to change this world for the better. Which I was reading a lot on Twitter, not from celebrities. I kind of was just searching the name and seeing what was coming up. And it just goes back to the conversation we constantly talk about, about representation and about how... You know, good it must feel to be a trans teenager, for example, and to see Elliot Page, who starred, by the way, in a movie that you probably watched while you were growing up and who is such a well respected actor come out and say, not only am I trans, but also I'm going to fight for all of you because none of us deserve the harassment and the things that we're subjected to. And so I always love when this happens to read the tweets from the teenage population because it's like the clearest example of the importance of representation, of course, across all genders and ethnicities, etc., and sexual orientations. But I just appreciated that so much.
1: Absolutely, hundred hundred percent. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, congratulations to Elliot. I, uh, of course, we are so excited to see your journey, and I feel so glad that you felt comfortable to to share this with the world. And you're really helping a lot of people by doing so. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a little break, and we will come back with some more relationship news. Okay, we're gonna get into Selena Gomez, Jimmy Butler, and Ben Affleck on a Armas in a second, but I first just want to talk about Paris Hilton for like two minutes because, as you guys know, she's been dating this guy Carter Room. Remember, he's just a businessman, entrepreneur, kind of as we say, fame adjacent. He founded this liquor company, Vieux Spears, with his brother. And keep in mind, they went Instagram official in April. And she's been speaking about their relationship publicly for a few months now, but she posted for their one year anniversary. I want to read the caption just because there's a couple of things I want to talk about. She said, happy one year anniversary, my love. I love that we celebrate our love every month. I can't believe it's only been a year. It feels like I've been with you a lifetime. I've never felt so close to another person in my life. And that's because you're the first one who tore down the walls I built around my heart and opened up my heart in a way that I didn't know was possible. I truly believe that we were custom made for each other and meant to be. Nothing in my life has ever felt so right or so perfect. Every day I feel like I'm in a dream. There's no one I'd rather spend forever with. I've heard of twin flames before, but I never believed in them till you. Love you forever, my twin flame, my best friend, my other half, my partner for life. And I can't wait for our future and a lifetime of love and adventures because no matter what happens in life, I will always be happy, feel safe, and at home in your arms and by your side forever. Can I tell you something how I feel about this? Yeah. Okay, one, obviously I'm thrilled for Paris because especially after watching that documentary. I just feel like a protectiveness over her. But the second thing about it is we've seen so many times when Paris has been in a relationship, she posts something, maybe not this intimate, but something kind of similar to this. This like very proud proclamation of love. And then they break up and she receives a lot of kind of backlash or people just making fun of her for putting this love on the internet. I think even in the past, I've said something not bad, but kind of just like, what are you doing? Like, wait till you see it serious because you know you're just going to get kind of trolled from people, but I changed my stance because you know what? If this is what makes Paris happy and she wants to profess her love to the internet and she doesn't care if God forbid it doesn't work out how she looks, I actually think that's a beautiful thing. Like I've totally changed my approach on this because whether or not this is for her forever, even though I hope it is, like good for her for feeling so empowered to just want to share this. I love your passion for Paris Hilton and her relationships. I am obsessed with it. I know you are. <laughs> I it's because she's such a powerful figure on her own like she on her own like she doesn't need a man but she wants one. That's why I feel invested in it cuz she's spoken so openly about how she wants it. Right, exactly. Yes. I don't know. Call call me an optimist, call me gullible, whatever you want to call me. I'm hoping that this one lasts. I'm going to put my money on it and if I'm disappointed, I'm disappointed. Oh,
1: I will call you both those things probably in a, in a year or so. But uh, for now, we can enjoy it. I know. You don't think this is it, do you? Um, it's not that I, I don't really know enough about it to say one way or another. But the point that you made before, like four seconds ago, about um her posting on Instagram and then having to be like, never mind. That just sits with me. Like, I never forget that. I know. I will just say one thing about that, which
0: is I do think it's a little bit different talking about her relationships now versus pre-documentary. And I don't just mean release, I also mean filming because I really do think that entire experience was transformative for her. Like when she says in this caption about how she never had someone break down her walls, whatever, call that whatever you want. I know people use that term a lot, but I do think having to go back on that past trauma and kind of have to like reflect on herself in the way that she had to I would imagine allowed for deeper connection. So I'm thinking that maybe now going forward, like her relationships will be a little bit more uh, vulnerable because of that experience.
1: Yeah, it's definitely possible. I don't think you're necessarily wrong. I just, I'll always like the exact opposite reaction of what you have is what I have where it's like, for you, you're like, that's such a beautiful thing that she's able to do that. Even with the fear of it not working out, which is, you're right. Like You're obviously the one that's right in this scenario. But for me, I'm like, oh, God, that would be my worst nightmare.
0: Oh, Julie, you know that I have to remove my own personal things. <laughs>
1: Julie's biggest joke, Julie's like, you're going to be
0: married and people aren't even going to know that you've ever been dating someone. Like, I don't post that shit ever. Right. Um, <laughs> no, I, I obviously agree with you for my personal life. I guess I'm just thinking in terms of her. Like I used to be, I think I used to be a little bit judgmental about it. And now I'm like, imagine having that happen so many times and still not caring because you're just so excited about the love. Like maybe that's something more of us should aim to do. I don't know. Maybe you're right. (laughs) I don't know. It's got a little bit of a deeper conversation, but that's how I feel. Just wanted to let you guys know uh, she's still going strong. And of course, we will keep you updated. Okay, next thing we're going to talk about, Selena Gomez and Jimmy Butler out of left field, no?
1: Yes, I was. I did not see this coming.
0: Yeah, so for anybody who doesn't know, he plays for the Miami Heat and they had kind of first sparked dating rumors in mid-November. They were having dinner in the city, but there wasn't really that many stories after that, I don't feel. And according to E! News, they've been casually dating since then. A source said, quote, They hung out a few times while Selena was in the city. Jimmy asked her to go to dinner and they had a great time. It's very casual and she's open to seeing where things go, but isn't settling down just yet. She has really kind of been single. She's loved being single. So the sources say that they're enjoying their time together. They've been on a few dates. She's into him, but taking things very slowly. Keep in mind, her last relationship ended March 2018. and. She was seeing The weekend from January to October 2017. His last relationship was with his ex, Caitlin Nowak. They actually had a daughter together in October 2019. They were very private about their relationship and also about their child. But before that, he dated Shay Mitchell in 2016. And that's kind of his most recent dating history. So this was a bit of a surprise, but I'm very much into it. Yeah, I'm very into it.
1: Also, I know this is like kind of a weird statement, but- I imagine she must trust him very much to be going out with him right now because I imagine that with her health struggles combined with COVID, she's not seeing anybody unless she 100% trusts that she is safe around them. So I do think it is a big deal in terms of like relationship and dating for her to be seeing somebody right now it's interesting because that's not even a celebrity thing it's like just in general we speak about that
0: a lot any everybody has their bubble of people right so like i don't know between two and eight people that you see on a regular basis that you all trust have been safe so it adds like another level of intimacy to not only relationships also to friendships because you're quite literally kind of like taking your life in your hands when you agree to hang out with somebody in a closed-in environment you're so right
1: yeah, especially Selena, who's immunocompromised and has had, you know, obviously health struggles related to her kidney transplant. So yeah, I, I I, do think it's funny that that is a very telling thing about relationships and friendships in general right now. Oh, I completely agree. Because you really have to know who they're seeing in order to trust them.
0: Oh, completely. You want to do like a full, a full interview process. Before my dad can see any of his friends, which is also very infrequent, I really make them sit down. I'm like, okay, where have you been? Grocery stores, talk to me
1: yeah, a hundred percent. You have to. You have to. Yeah. I don't know. We'll
0: see where this goes. He's the only, obviously neither of us are really basketball fans, but I've come to know a little bit more about Jimmy Butler from the comments by athletes account. Not that I run it, but you know, I'm obviously in the decision process on all the posts and he's very active. He's very funny. So I've come to have a liking towards him just based on like his wittiness on social. Oh, I love that for Selena. I know. Maybe she'll get a little bit more involved, or maybe not. I know it's. She said that it's not the best thing for her mental health. Yeah, I understand that. Anyway, so we'll keep you guys updated on that, and uh, let's take a little break, and we'll come back with Ben Affleck. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically, when I'm buying something or paying for a service. So Anna Diarmas and Ben Affleck have reportedly moved in together. Remember, they've been dating for about a year. They met last year while they were filming Deep Water. And if you guys remember, this March is when they kind of confirmed it. She posted a photo and he commented, photo credit, please. When I tell you, we have never posted something so shortly after seeing it. I will never forget that moment.
1: Never. That was one of that was one of the big ones for me, definitely. Yeah. So I mean, we've seen
0: them photographed constantly by paparazzi everywhere. They're apparently going really strong. And right after he had split from Jen Garner around 2018, he bought this beautiful $20 million house. And apparently this is the home that they are moving into. It's about 14,000 square foot. It's in Pacific Palisades. It's just beautiful. Nine bathrooms, a pool, full gym, screening room, seven bedrooms. Ridiculous. So I can't tell you 100% that that's the truth, but that's kind of what the reports are saying. So- we kind of saw this coming, but I'm still weirdly into it. Like, I know this is a polarizing relationship and not everybody
1: is a fan, but I am. I was just going to say that. It's, I find it unusual for me to, uh, for there to be a public opinion about a couple like this, not like a stand couple, but like a couple that people are weirded out by and me not agree with that statement. But I'm so into them that I almost like feel embarrassed every time we talk about it because I don't hate it at all. I know, it's funny because people
0: make so much fun of their paparazzi photos because it's constant. They're constantly drinking coffee. He's constantly doing whatever he's doing. And for me, I'm like, I totally get it. But also, haven't you kind of become accustomed to it? Because Twitter, which is the first place to kind of shit on them, when they went silent and there were no photos, let me tell you, Twitter was not that happy. Once they reemerged, people were thrilled. So it's kind of like, you don't know what you got till it's gone.
1: People love... To make fun of them in a very, it is a very playful way. It's not a mean or malicious way, but this is Twitter's like make fun of couple a hundred percent. It's just funny to me that this is the couple they chose because my whole thing with Ben Affleck is that if he is sober, stable, and happy, then if the worst part about him is that his relationship is overly public and heavily paparazzi, then I'm 100% fine with that.
0: No, I, I agree with you. I really do. Also, I don't know if you saw this, but Jen Garner went live with Katie Couric, I think on Friday. Just, it was completely random. They were just talking, not, not, you know, there was nothing groundbreaking, but they're just friends. She was in her kitchen and it's like, it's the type of thing where obviously I think the public opinion just feels that they are so happy Jen Gardner is alive. Like they people just really, really adore her. Um, but it's not the type of situation where I'm like, oh, I long for them to be back, even if it was the best thing for him. Like I'm so happy that she exists and I'm also so happy that they're not together.
1: It's this weird thing where I can't talk about Ben Affleck without thinking about Jen Gardner. Like anytime I think about him, I think about the effect it must have on her and what she did for him and everything that goes along with that. Whenever I think about her, I never ever think about him. It does not pop into my head even once. To the point where she had posted a photo of herself on Instagram of her looking really young, and somebody had commented, "Like you, like you look exactly like Sam Affleck." And I was like, "Who the fuck is Sam Affleck? Like, what, what Affleck family member are they comparing this to?" Until I was like, "It's her fucking son." So funny, right? You forget. But it's, it's only funny because I always forget when it comes to her, never never think about it, not once. As soon as it comes to him, it pops right into my head.
0: Yeah, but I think that that's also just a testament to the way that the public perceived their relationship, which I think was accurate, which was that he kind of needed her a lot more than she needed him for a very strong time there. You know what I mean? She yeah. kind of was seen as like the uh, the one that kept it together. So I think that's only natural. You know, it makes total sense. Yeah. Also, she has more of a presence; like she's constantly posting things, whereas he's a lot more subdued. So we don't
1: we don't see things of him that much, unless it has to do with his relationship. Which is exactly why I could not believe that he had commented that on her photo, asking for photo cred.
0: Well, yeah, and of course we kind of figured out that that was a very calculated situation, but. Uh, when I tell you guys, Julie and I were like, there is no way that it is 2020. And we are confirming Ben Affleck's new romance via the comment section. This is just something we didn't necessarily anticipate happening this year.
1: Crazy. Really, really crazy. How, how beautiful is she, by the way? So, so stunning. So gorgeous. I know. Did you ever watch Knives Out? I'm putting you on blast here, but did you ever watch Knives Out? No. You should watch with your dad because you guys will both absolutely love it. And Chris Evans is not a cable knit sweater in it, so you'll be fine. <laughs> okay. Say no more. <laughs> you, you had me at Chris Evans. You had me
0: at Chris Evans. I didn't even know, need to know it was cable knit.
1: Uh, by the way, before we move on, the one thing that I do want to talk about is Chris Evans' arms at Thanksgiving. Julie, no, no, no. It's it's too early for that. Talk about being thankful. Oh. I don't know if everybody saw
0: this, but his brother posted a story of him in this tank top and it was very hot. Like it was overwhelmingly hot. Duh. No, I know, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe I just didn't expect him to be so buff. Where have you been? (laughs) I don't know. It it was, it was just sexy. I, I, I wasn't expecting to like be turned on on Thanksgiving when I was so full that that wasn't really a thought process for me in general. And then
1: I was just very pleasantly surprised. Oh my God, you got to get onto uh, Chris Evans' TikTok and Chris Evans' Twitter. Chris Evans' TikTok is a special place. Uh,
0: Don't I know it. (laughs) The thing about Chris Evans' TikTok is that we've kind of realized he very much appeals to a very wide audience. Like there doesn't seem to be any sort of specific demographic. It's people across all different ages and honestly, sexual orientations and gender and everything. Everyone loves
1: Chris Evans.
0: Yeah, it must be a good place to be. Yeah,
1: it, it's nice to
0: be Chris Evans, huh? I would, I would guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just take one minute to talk about Pete Davidson on SNL because there are a couple of noteworthy things. And
1: would you like to start with the vibrator sketch? <laughs> yeah, I obviously would. During Weekend Update, he was talking about COVID on Staten Island. And all of the problems there. And something came up about how somebody has an Etsy shop that sells Pete Davidson vibrators. And he was like, if you're looking for something to do instead of going out, get yourself a Pete Davidson vibrator. And I was like, this is not real. And then it
0: was. And then it (laughs) was.
1: Yeah. The Etsy shop is
0: at GFY underscore toy on Instagram in case anybody is curious. And apparently their sales have
1: skyrocketed. Okay, fine. I have a confession. You fucking bought one? I didn't buy one, but there might be, I was going to surprise you. There might be uh, some comments by celebs ones being sent to us. No way. I swear. Did you make, did did you really? I didn't do it, but they are sending it. That is amazing. I'm going to post the fuck out of that. I know you are, which is why it was
0: going to be a fun surprise, but I couldn't wait to tell you. Wow. That's an amazing, that's also like an amazing, um, promo type situation. Like if I, if that was me who had that Etsy, I think I would be doing this to more people. It's kind of fun. Like, is it a little weird to get off with my brand? Yeah. Am I going to do it? Absolutely.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about powerful women in business. (laughs) That is a beautiful sentiment. That is a beautiful statement. That is brand dedication. Oh yeah. That's
0: the (laughs) German. I don't know. I was about to say something, and then I'm like, "Fuck!" People say I already talk about sex too much. So maybe I, <laughs> I, I was about to be like, "Does your business make you come?"
1: <laughs> Honestly, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, I, I, it's just funny. Also, like, take Pete out of the equation for a second. I think something that we talk about a lot. I don't know if we do it on the podcast or just in our own lives. It's really funny when people, whoever like publicly acknowledge that they know that something about them is being used in mass amounts for people to get off to. Like, for example, when an actor and actress talks about a very famous sex scene that that they know so many people have been really uh, stimulated by, for example. Like there's always something funny about the little bit of embarrassment, yet also a little bit of pride that you can sense is coming from someone. So for Pete to be talking about his face on a vibrator, like it just feels fun to watch.
1: The funny thing about it also is the way that he was talking about it. He was saying like, he was like, people don't like me. He's like, like, for example, when it broke that I was doing a Christmas story and it was just the table read, all of Twitter went crazy. He was like, but I'm likable enough in a weird way where people are making vibrators with my face on it, which is the best description of him ever. And beautifully self-aware, might I add. Oh, he does nothing if not
0: self-aware. I think we know that. Truly. Truly. Okay, I'm going to put um, a break here just to assist as an additional spoiler alert, but basically we're going to talk about the episode of Euphoria That Dropped, which was kind of like an in-between season one and season two. Just going to talk about it briefly, um, but I just wanted to make sure that if you have not watched it, you don't listen to this. It'll be about a couple of minutes. I'm going to put a break here so that feel free to uh, fast forward all the way through. And also we're going to talk a little bit about the flight attendant. So we'll be right back with that. (music) Paid ad from spot pet insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com/slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company, and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. So this episode was called Part One Rue, and Basically, it was Zendaya and Coleman Domingo, who plays her sponsor, Ali, kind of just talking about the aftermath of her relapse. And the entire episode, with the exception of the first scene where it's Zendaya and Jules, was shot in this diner with them speaking. And it was the type of episode where you really have to kind of be in the mindset to be able to watch it because it's not mindless watching, not that Euphoria in general is, but it was very, very deep. I think it was probably a bit more of a PSA, like clearly, you know, a lot of what was being talked about is very relatable to actual life. And I would imagine is very both triggering and also helpful for people who have been struggling with addiction. But I thought that it was very well done.
1: Oh, it was beautifully done. I literally, when I finished, I looked up and I was like, that was a beautiful, special hour of television. I felt very, very strongly about this episode because first of all, I think that Zendaya acting in this, that was Emmy worthy. She's already won the Emmy. I think that for this episode specifically, there could be another one because to sit in a diner for an hour long episode and showcase some of the best acting, that is not an easy task. No. And that's the thing, which I felt like the contrast between this and typical
0: Euphoria episodes, because it's not that generally the writing and the acting isn't excellent, it is. However, there's also so much visual stimulation. Like everything they do has so many bright lights and so many colors and there's so much happening. So for this episode to keep your attention just as much, even though it is such a dull kind of setting, I think speaks volumes to them as actors and also just you know their characters and the writing.
1: No, if you are somebody who watches the show for the aesthetic and the partying for Jacob Alordi, <laughs> this isn't going to be your favorite episode. But if you're somebody who has fully grasped the show and the meaning of it and the importance of it, then this is an important episode for you. And I think that one of the most important aspects of this is that I can imagine that while watching Euphoria – There was this real uh, sense of glamorizing drug use and drug addiction, which I think is something that the writers and the producers are probably struggling with, with putting out that message. Unintentionally, of course, because while they do show so many of the struggles and the pain with it, there's also an element of the show that makes it look really exciting. Um, So... I think this episode was so important because it sat down and was like, we are not glamorizing this. This is the real side of it. This is the coming down from it. This is years of addiction and depression. And it was just such an honest, raw, real conversation that was so applicable outside of the show. It just, it was incredibly, incredibly well done.
0: I totally agree with you. I really do. I just, you know, like to be honest with you, for me personally, I watched this right after watching, obviously the most recent TV i had watched is The Undoing and then I had been watching The Flight Attendant a little bit and I had to stop it and then restart it when I was a little bit more in the mindset because I wanted more like action, I felt, which is not normally something that I want. So I would just urge you, I mean, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've watched it, but... um you, I think you, everybody can agree that you have to really be focused on it before going into it because it's deep. It's intense. It's heavy. It's not the type of thing where you can be kind of looking at your phone on and off. You want
1: to be fully present. Yeah. A hundred thousand percent. You have to really commit to it, which is, I think we can all commit an hour to, uh, if I can commit an hour to being off of my phone, everybody
0: can. He's also a wonderful actor. I know we've spoken about it, but he really is excellent. This, is, this was his clearly his breakout scene in the show.
1: Oh yeah. It was really, it was really special. I don't know. I can't even describe it in any other way. I was, I think that there's always that common misconception that something has to, something crazy has to happen in a show in order for it to be a good show, which is typically the case, right? But really great acting and a really great plot can come from a lot of simplicity while still being a complex character plot line. And that's what this showed.
0: Yeah, I know. I I think that's absolutely true. I, for me personally, like, you know, the first scene that was Jules and Rue, I just, I could watch the, if the rest of the episodes were just them, I could watch it because I am so invested in the storyline. So it felt like a little bit of a tease, but then once I got into what the conversation was, I fully appreciated it. But they give, they gave you that little bit, you know, cause you want more of it. You want to see what's going on with them, where they're at, like how, how that's faring for itself.
1: The other thing is, if this was an episode that was just like episode three of the season, I would have a different reaction to it. I would be like, okay, it's kind of weird to throw this in. But because it was a filler episode and an in-between episode, it made absolute perfect sense.
0: Also, by the way, this was a bonus. We didn't deserve this. We weren't We weren't guaranteed this. This was something that they gave as a courtesy
1: to their audience. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, like. what are we going to do? Complain about what we got? no i mean i'm certainly not i loved every second of it i know other people kind of did but again it was never meant to be an episode that fully continued or touched upon the main plot of the show it was supposed to touch upon rue and her struggles and her story and it did exactly what it was meant to do and more yeah
0: i I totally agree Anyway, great watch. Also, no spoilers here because Julie didn't even watch it yet. But I just wanted to tell everyone that I watched the first four or five, however many episodes are out of the flight attendant with Kelly Cuoco, and I really liked it. it, Her acting, I thought, was excellent in it because I don't know if everyone else feels this way, but when I think of her, I just immediately think Big Bang Theory, and she was so great in that. But it didn't really push her acting to the full extent. Whereas this was a totally different role, and. I just, I just enjoyed it. I want you to watch it to see what you think. It's a little bit anxiety provoking, which I know isn't necessarily something you typically like, but I'm very into it. I I, I get so happy when there's a show that comes on and I automatically click with it and I did. So hopefully we can get her on. That would be fun to talk about, but just wanted to tell everyone in case you're thinking about watching it, I have and I really liked it. I know my word doesn't carry as much weight as Julie's, but I just want you to know that I did.
1: (laughs) I'm obviously going to watch it because it won't sit right with me to have a show that you watched that I didn't. But I do have a lot of really weird anxiety things with TV shows.
0: And this is one that will, I think for you, what will happen is you will become frustrated by, you know, her not being able to get out of her own way kind of thing. Because you approach things, I think, a lot of times with TV very logically. And her character, which you figure out in the first two minutes, I'm not giving anything away, just doesn't. So I can imagine that for you and for anybody else listening that has that same thing,
1: that definitely arising. Right. I don't know. We'll see. I'll watch it today, obviously.
0: Okay. We're going to spend a couple minutes now. Feel free to fast forward if this is not your thing, but we just want to talk about Bryson Addison. They got so many messages about it. That YouTube video cleared up a lot of things. So just give us a couple of minutes. And again, I totally get if TikTok isn't your thing. Feel free to fast forward. I love when we do that because it makes me feel safe to talk about it without fear of judgment. Same. <laughs> So Addison uploaded this five-minute video called The Truth About Us, and it was her and Bryce at the gym dog pound, basically just answering fan questions about their relationship. They spoke about how it started, how they made out at a party for the first time. He made a comment that she basically said to him, like, watch out if you keep kissing me, you're gonna get feelings. And the entire thing was very kind of playful. One of the questions was asking, her favorite gift that he's ever gotten her. And she said, it was the letter that you wrote me. And apparently he wrote her this really beautiful letter for her birthday. They're saying this is the second Christmas they're gonna spend together. At the end of the video, they confirmed that they are officially dating since that's been a question in so many people's minds. Obviously, I think that she could be with somebody very different. However, I would be lying if I said I didn't enjoy every second of watching it.
1: There is no limit no limit to the amount of things I would do to be able to read that letter he wrote her. Great, Julie. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. I fucking love them together. It's not that we're in the
0: minority, clearly. I mean, that video had 15 million views, but a lot of people just like don't want, aren't down for it.
1: I'm, I can't even explain how obsessed I am with it. It's so weird. I know it is. Like I I fully grasp and understand that, but. They're like, I feel like I haven't had a, a young couple like this. F- oh my God, I'm getting old, aren't I? I feel like we haven't had a young <laughs> couple like this to obsess over in a while. Like every time we talk about couples now, it's like, oh, they're getting married and moving in together. Like it's so boring and adult. Like this is just like a young, fun couple doing their thing in LA. Like how fucking fun is that? And first of all, before I, you know, go any further, I understand COVID. I understand that maybe they're not being the safest. I recognize that. I don't agree with that. But during normal times, it would be very, very fun to watch them do their thing in LA.
0: I just think you put yourself back to being 19. Like, you know how you feel when you're in love at 19 years old, it really feels like your entire world stopped. I, I, I strongly dislike when people specifically, you know, people that are older, kind of like downplay high school romances. I recognize they're not actually in high school, but it's like, Oh, you know that your first love, you think it's such a big deal at the time. And it's like, yeah, and that's true. And that's great. Like, how fun is it to feel like this, that your world is stopping that it's this like intoxicating, exciting love. Of course, if it gets to the point of being taking over your life, that's not a positive thing, but I, I would never want, um, someone to tell my younger self that I'm over-exaggerating my feelings because I look back on that time so fondly and so positively. Like that's such a special experience to feel like you're discovering love for the first real time. I know it's not either of their first relationships, but it's still very young. So I don't know, maybe I want to lean into it because some part of me feels this vicarious, like living through to my relationship at
1: that age. Um, but do you know what the point I'm trying to make? I know exactly the point you're trying to make because A, I think that that is always... Um, A conversation that I disagree with when people say that, like, first love, teenage love, not a big deal. I think also part of the reason why the young love thing is so at play and why it's such a fascinating thing to watch them is because we grew up with a lot of TV shows that portrayed, like, this overly exciting, overly intense teenage love. Like, all of those CW shows, Buntree Hill, The O.C., and I think even as we get older, we still crave those types of shows. So watching them is kind of living out that vicarious TV excitement that we had when we were younger.
0: Yes. In the form of like a real life reality show in a way.
1: Right. right. Which is yeah. rare.
0: It is rare. It's fun. I, I, as I've said a million times, fuck it. People are going to judge us for caring, then judge us because we can talk about Ben Affleck and, uh, and G armas in the same breath, talk about Addison and Bryce and, I have the same passion for both of them. Same, same. <laughs> Just kidding. I have way more passion for Addison. And
1: <laughs> That's hilarious.
0: <laughs> so, um, yes, I don't know. We'll keep you guys posted for all of you who care. I know it's not everyone, but it is a, it is a decent
1: portion. It must be. It's, it's way more people than they're even willing to admit, by the way. I was going to say that, right? Because Sydney deleted TikTok, like has not had it for months and still was like, I watched that Bryson Addison video the second it was posted.
0: Yeah, a lot of people did. You're right. You're right. I think there are just people that, um, it's kind of like how the polls are, in, are inaccurate sometimes. You know, it's a similar vibe.
1: Exactly. That is what I would compare this to. I will compare the love for Bryson Addison to the 2016 presidential election. Those damn polls led us astray. (laughs) Say no more. It's exactly the same. I really do. I feel like in this moment,
0: I just, I don't know, Wolf Blitzer just inhabited my body and here I am saying, you know, we couldn't believe it,
1: folks. I will do anything. No, actually, I will do anything for Wolf Blitzer to get on CNN and be like, another news tonight. Rice Hall, Madison Ray, I would die. I would have to die because there's no up from there. No, there's no up. There's no
0: up. Well, Julie, pray for it. You never know. Stranger thing. We know. (laughs) You never know. Award ceremony. We just wanted to give kind of an honorable mention to Miley Cyrus because she really took this TikTok trend and ran with it. Basically, there was this trend of people um, doing videos to songs from Plastic Hearts, and saying like, "If Miley Cyrus comments, I'll do X." And she really commented. We did an entire roundup. It performed ridiculously well, um, but I thought it was a genius way to promote her music. But also, like, it was very, it was very um, fun to watch. It didn't get
1: boring to me. No, because you know why is because you could tell it was her. The things that she was commenting. Are things that you can hear her saying that no team would have ever approved.
0: Yeah, a lot of people were asking that and it's like, I promise you, we can like quite literally confirm it was actually Miley. I saw a lot of the comments being like, oh, that was just her it. Like, I'm, I promise you guys, no, it was not. <laughs> that was Miley. It was It was Miley. We know for a fact. Um, so that was just great. We wanted to just highlight that. Kardashians? Yes, please. Guys, this FaceTime TikTok thing was the best thing that ever happened, Right it was really good. (laughs) It was really good. Okay. So basically I'm sure all of you saw, they posted this trend that they were doing on TikTok where they were FaceTiming their friends. And when the person answered the FaceTime, it was all of them, all of the women just sitting there with a very stern face, looking as if one, they were painting and two, the person on the receiving end was in a lot of trouble. So they posted a part one and a part two. I'm going to go through the list of who everyone was just in case anybody was unsure. Savas, as you know, Tristan's best friend, Young Taco, Kendall's best friend, Tristan, Bieber, Dave Grutman, um, Travis, Addison, Lucas, Dave Chappelle, Haley Bieber, Stas. Part two was James Charles, Lala Anthony, Jennifer Lawrence, Jaden Smith, David Dobrik, Phi, and then Tyler, the creator. Eclectic crew.
1: I have so many questions about the decision process that went into the order. Tell me. Why start with Savas? Why leave Jennifer Lawrence out of the first round? Why leave Tyler, the creator, out of the first round? Why do you, uh, there were just, I had so many questions. I have watched this video, both of them, more times than I care to admit.
0: It was so funny how everybody thought they were in trouble.
1: So funny, except David commented, you see he commented on Kylie's TikTok and goes, I thought you guys were trying to recruit me. <laughs> That's so
0: funny. That is so funny. Yeah. No, I think that the, I think it was probably a strategic decision to leave out Tyler and Jennifer because what were you going to do? Have all the A1 people in the first round and then it's like the second one just be the sides? No, I think that it was good that they mixed it up. Jennifer Lawrence should have been A1. What was so interesting though, to me was how like they went from people that are in their immediate crew, for example, like a Stoss and a Fi to then throwing in like Honestly, like a Jennifer Lawrence or a James Charles or just people that I'm not comparing Jennifer Lawrence to James Charles, but I'm just saying like people that aren't immediately in their like crew, but that they still clearly are in contact with.
1: Well, that's why Jennifer Lawrence's reaction was the best because she, she answered and she was like, it took me a minute to answer because I had to like make sure this was real life. And then they still weren't talking to her. And she's like, what is going on? Like, it was just, no, that was one of my favorite things. And the thing with Kylie is that she gets so much shit for a lot of things and usually deservingly so. I'm not arguing against that. But when she participates in these internet trends and when they all do, it just shows them, not in a different like, but it just makes them so much more likable where I think people who don't like them are like, okay, even I can appreciate that.
0: Yeah, I remember we, bef- we were like hesitant to post it because anytime we post anything Kardashians, which is why we kind of do it sparingly on on our Uh, on the main grid is because people are just so mean about it. So it's like not really worth it. Um, But this was one where everybody was into it because that's a trend. Like even if you're not the Kardashians, that's still a fun thing. I love when people do those TikTok trends of like FaceTiming their friend and then the second the friend answers, it's like, okay, I'll call you back. And it's like, you just called me. So there's always something funny about the way people interact on FaceTime. But then when you add it to this level, it was just like hard to not enjoy watching that.
1: Also, the thing here was when you see them all together and then you see their Rolodex of people that they're FaceTiming and can call and have immediate contact with and are answering them, you're just hit in the face with how iconic they are as a family and how iconic their circle is. And it's impossible to ignore that fact. Oh, for sure, for sure. Also, it was so funny because of
0: course when this happens, the internet turned into like forensic detectives and people were making spreadsheets of, who was Facetime with a case on the phone? Who was Facetime without a case? And they split it up. Like Julie, this outline literally has case, no case, case, no case. And a lot of people think that it was um, Kylie and Courtney's phone. A lot of people think that it was Kylie and Courtney or Kendall and Courtney's phone. It, it was just—it was funny to to watch that whole process.
1: I think it was Kylie and Kim's. Oh really? I think Kylie case was Kim. Interesting, because Savas no case. Young Taco, no case. Tristan Thompson, no case. Jay Bizzle, no case. That's obviously Kylie. That was a name that was put in her phone in 13 and never changed. Dave Grutman, case. That's very Kim. Travis, Justin Emoji, only Kylie would do that. Um, Addison Ray, I think Kim would be more likely. I know that it was a little confusing with Courtney there, but I think it was Kim. Case, Dave Chappelle, I think Kim is the only one that would have that number. Um, and then Lala Anthony was case. Jennifer Lawrence was case. David Dobrik was case and James Charles was case. Anybody could have been James Charles, but I think Lala, Jennifer Lawrence and Dave Chappelle are the most compelling arguments for being Kim's phone.
0: Interesting, interesting. I don't. I haven't really given it enough thought to know what I think. I've given it a lot of thought, yeah.
1: Clearly Kylie was Travis, the cowboy emoji. Yeah, no case was 100% Kylie. I do think case was Kim. Interesting, I don't know. It could have been Courtney. It could have been. I don't know. It's just something to think about. Yeah.
0: In um, other Kardashian news, not that there's so much, but it was Saint's fifth birthday. It's just the sweetest thing ever. Kim's caption about him, um, I just loved it. They, she's, you know, she has my soul connection, which I'm sure she feels with all of her kids, but I think we've always felt that specifically with Saint. Also, in, in light of the Larsa situation, apparently Malik Beasley's wife, Montana Yao, which as you guys know, we spoke at length about on the Kardashian um, recap, has filed for divorce the day after she saw the photos of him and Larsa. I don't know if that's 100% true, but I would imagine so based on the response she shared on social.
1: Crazy. I mean, I'm sure that's true. I'm sure that's the case. Yeah. I don't
0: know. Apparently him and Larsa have been texting for weeks. They had plans to see each other and... Um, what the source said was that Larson knew that he was married, but you know, he kind of played it off that him and his wife were having issues. So who knows the legitimacy of that? We spoke about it and like no need to reengage. but
1: yeah, if that, if that divorce happened, uh, I hope it was worth it, I guess. I love when you heavy with the no need to re-engage so that I don't get into it because there was no reason for me to, but I would have if you didn't say that. <laughs> I know. It's just like, how much can we talk
0: about how much we dislike her? It's like, not a, not a good feeling. I don't leave a podcast being like, wow, that felt good. It's like, everybody knows.
1: No, you're a million, million, million percent right. <laughs> I mean, glad you said it. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to mention? No, but what a wild ride of an episode, huh?
0: I don't really know what happened, but it was great. Just the last thing that I want to mention, because I know not everybody who listens to this podcast also listens to the Kardashian bonus show. I get it. Totally, Kardashians aren't your thing. Um, but if you go to the most recent bonus show we did, the one uh, that was like the Kardashian bonus show, Larsa Pippen Breakdown Plus Season 3, Episode 3, At the 2649 timestamp, we got into this conversation. It was about when Chloe was posing nude for PETA. And it was a conversation between her and Caitlin, where Caitlin kind of was talking to her about her weight in a very inappropriate way. And we had, let's say, a 10-minute conversation about that. Not really related to this, more so just like generally about women and their bodies and weight and a whole thing. We got so many messages on Instagram of people saying how Helpful that conversation was. I got so many texts from friends just saying they really needed to hear that. So, especially around the holidays when we're getting such like conflicting messaging from the media. Cause on one hand, it's like recipes to indulge over the holidays. And then you flip the page and it's like how to shed those holiday pounds. And it's just like, fuck, can I just be a person and not have every single thing that I do be about my weight? So, if you wanted to give that a listen, I, uh, a lot of people said that it was helpful and just know you're not alone in all of this and if you ever saw that scene years ago when we're angered by it I thought it was a, an important discussion that I would urge people to listen to so I just wanted to make sure to mention that um, anything else? no that's it okay well we love you guys so much we'll see you on Wednesday for Kardashians and Isabel and I will see you on Friday for Bravo oh my god Potomac Atlanta there is so much there I cannot wait love you guys